Welcome to another edition of How Did This Get Played Premium DLC. I had a question for you guys because we're going to talk. We're going to take a, a lot, a lot of questions from our listeners. But I figured I'd turn the tables and ask you guys a question. What? Okay. What are some of your guys' favorite animal companions from video games? Wow. Okay, so can I, can we get a, are you talking like a familiar or are you talking like, like an animal crossing animal human hybrid or are you talking about like, uh, like a dog in Fallout? What are you talking about? However you want to interpret it, baby. (laughs) What the heck? I'm a guy Uh, who says baby now. (laughs) (laughs) Nick's just like shuffling cards. That's, that's who I am, baby. Uh, I think the... I think the uh, the the so what I, the the thing that made me think of it is I was thinking of the arcade game Shadow Dancer, which got ported to Genesis. I don't even remember this, but it was kind of like a it was like a Shinobi, except that you had a dog companion, and it was like a you know it was like a cool sixteen bit era side scroller. Um, but the thing that really made it stand out was that you had this animal buddy, but you could be you know. You, it could be a. It could be something. I think it, I would say it could be a beast you ride. It could be a beast that provides you companionship or is an ally in battle. But uh, and yeah, I, I'll even extend it to it could be some sort of anthropomorphic animal if that's how you want to play it. Before I answer, can I just say something? Yes, that was Nick Weiger. The other voice you heard, Heather Ann Campbell. My voice, Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. We forgot to start. I forgot to intro the show. I just hopped right into it. Yeah, you just leapt right in. I thought that was like it. a premise. I was like, oh, this is going to pay-, pay off. He's just going to ask a question. and It's going to be like, what's your names? Chomping at the bit for this question, but the question is good. And it doesn't right. matter when um, the show gets intro. They know who we are. All right. I got mine. Yes. Tails. Wow. Tails is a good answer. Tails, <sighs> miles per hour. Tails. <laughs> the Especially miles in the original Sonic 2 animation, which I think is the cleanest sprite look for Tails. Tails. Tails looks great. I would also accept, you know, this is this is maybe a better example than the dog in Shadow Dancer, just to sort of give a baseline. Like Yoshi is like a classic, that sort of animal, Mario's animal companion that he rides and punches in the back of the head to make him eat fruit. Uh, Matt, you got something? I'm thinking, I mean, I'm thinking Yoshi, baby. Uh, like Yoshi's a rideable, a, good one. a rideable companion, and then, you know, a uh, a star in his own right as well in his own games. I'm also thinking uh, Diddy Kong in as as a companion to another animal, Donkey Kong. Well, there are also, the Donkey Kong Country series is populated with yeah. friendly animals. Yeah. You know, you got your, uh, you got your Rambi or Rambi. However, you want to pronounce mm-hmm. it, the uh, the the rhino that you roll that you ride on, um, that's a lot of fun. You got that. Who the fuck? Is, the, there's that stabby swordfish. What the fuck is that guy's oh, name? Oh, what is that? 
it's, it, it's anti-Semitic. They, I think they changed it because originally it was it was real. It was real rough. Really? Yeah, that, you're right. They they retconned it from something anti-Semitic. I have the Wikipedia open here. I, I'm not going to read this aloud. This is horrifying. Uh, but they eventually changed him to on guard, which is not as bad. Yeah, French, not so bad. Not as bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, French. <laughs> uh, I'm also thinking I, the first person I immediately thought of, though, was Daxter. I love Daxter from Jack and Daxter. Ah, but what is Jack without his companion, Daxter? He's his best friend who was human before, got turned into that little animal that he is, and then kind of just stayed that way, and he's kind of fun. Uh, my my thought, these are those are great choices from you guys. I was just thinking of Epona from Ocarina, the horse from Ocarina of Time. Excellent and, answer. Good answer. Eventually, they ended up, you know, like now, now in Breath of the Wild, which is, you know, the, I mean, like the perfected, of perfected Zelda, there are all sorts of different horses, and you can name them whatever you like. But there, there, I do have an, a fondness for that original Zelda horse that you befriend and is your mare for life. My mare for Tell life. Tell me what horses I what? Huh? Go ahead. My mare for life is the mayor of Flavortown, Guy Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm on no, board. He, say, he said mayor, mayor, not mayor, mayor. <laughs> he said mayor for... Give it to him. <laughs> give it to him. I gotta give it to him. Uh, it's another Boy. edition of Super Question Block Turbo Deluxe Edition. I gotta stop saying edition twice, but I did it. And it's done, baby. So, I think that's the official name of it now, is Edition Edition. <laughs> yeah, it's the edition of Super Question Block Turbo Deluxe Edition is the canonical name. Uh, <laughs> we've got a bunch of your questions. Matt is going to read us some of them, and then we are going to try to come up with answers on the fly. All right, here we go. This first one is from Lloyd Pratt, and Lloyd writes, I'd like to know what everyone's thoughts are about when it's okay to give up on a game that you're not really enjoying. I'm playing the Westworld VR game, and I really want to like it, but I'm finding it pretty dull uh, gameplay-wise, and it makes me feel pretty queasy. But I have this guilty feeling about being wasteful or flippant with money if I don't finish it, like I'm some kind of spoiled child. And he's from Melbourne, Australia. Thanks, Lloyd. Hello, Lloyd. that's really cool. From Melbourne. Very cool. Man, that's... I'll never get over that. That's the coolest thing in the whole world, man. It just uh, that makes my day. That people are from different places. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like it. it. I like it too, uh, Lloyd. I, I it depends on how uh, precious your gaming time is. Like how how avail how much time you have available for gaming. If it's the kind of thing where you've got a family and you've got work obligations and you've only got a few hours to play video games a week, like why waste your time on something that's not any fun? And I think there's probably a different and a difference, and this is a thing where I think it's helpful to check in a, a, with a community for a specific game if you're at a lull as to whether that this is a bad stretch of a good game or if this is just what the game is. Because if something just doesn't click for you, I think yeah, abandon it, you know. But I mean, th- th- there's a game you're otherwise enjoying, and then there's just a stretch that's a slog, but it's ultimately worth it once you get past it. Or there's a game that's a slow starter. Uh, I think it's good to, to be aware of that, because I'll be honest. I already mentioned Breath of the Wild. 
But the first, until I got the combat tutorial and started to figure out how to fight things in Breath of the Wild and started, and started to realize, like, oh, weapons are just breakable and disposable, and that's the thing I need to get over, that's the thing I need to accept, the game wasn't really connecting for me. And if I'd given up for that uh, on that game within the first couple hours, looking back, I mean, I would have missed an, an amazing experience. So I, I think it's probably worth finding out if if the particular game you're playing, the, the Westworld VR, VR game in this case, it actually has some merit towards uh, getting through the doldrums or if it's just a, a true pile of shit and you should move on. It To me, it comes down to how much time you have for gaming. And if you don't have a lot of time, why spend it? Why spend an activity you enjoy, uh, an activity you like doing, so, doing something that makes that activity unpleasant for you? I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I have a lot of guilt about not ever having really gone gone into bloodborne given how much i like dark souls and demon souls uh but like it just didn't hit me i spent my money on it it's from my favorite design publishing team whatever and i was just like man there's something about this one that's not like it's not hooking me and i have a lot right. of guilt about it like i owe them something but i already gave them my money like they they got what they needed right like i I, I I think, you know, as soon as you get that itch, if you look it up and it's just like the water level sucks, but once you're past the water level, the rest of Mario 64 is great or whatever, um, then then ditch it, man. Ditch it and sell it. Unless unless you're getting a digital copy, in which case, oh, no, man, that's on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I my my biggest gaming problem is that I probably uh get more games than I can finish. So I have I a lot of my games are currently unfinished not because I'm not enjoying them. So I and I have guilt for that. That's my whole that's, right. that's my whole thing. If I could if that was a crime I'd have to be in jail I think or something for not finishing my games and being and feeling bad about it. And you belong in jail for different reasons. Well, yeah, but they'll never catch me. Yeah, you have been kind of taunting law enforcement by saying that. I, I would say that you have a large public platform, so you're probably someone who's easy to track down. But, you know, again, that's you You be as brazen as you, as you like. I, I, I pull a John Dillinger and I walk right into the police station and they still won't arrest me. Yeah, I also like Dillinger. You got a famously huge hog, <laughs> which we haven't talked about a lot on the show. Is that <laughs> Yeah, dude had a fucking... Dude had two Tommy guns he was walking around with. <laughs> I didn't know that piece of trivia about John Dillinger. Ah, now you do. More like John Dingling. <laughs> he was more like John Dingling. It's a Milton Burl of organized crime. <laughs> All right, thanks for the question, Lloyd. Hopefully that was some help. Uh, let, let's uh, let's see what uh, let's take out the next question. All right, this next one is from Brad San Martin, and he says, "Hello, everyone." Which you know, that's mine, uh, but. <laughs> To, to pass the time in quarantine, and, you know, I, I say not to say it. That's the thing I say. So just Brad, you heard, you heard what Nick just said. <laughs> to pass the time in quarantine mode, I recently dusted off my NES Classic and found myself playing Ice Climber. The mix of delight, frustration, joy, and madness the game elicited may be the closest I've come to approximating true love. Wow. My question to you all is, digging back through your entire gaming life, what is the simplest game you've played that is also the most compulsively playable? 
in era of ever escalating complexity, I'm finding the genius of simplicity. I'm finding the genius of simplicity ever more elusive. I, I am with you, Brad, in that I do like a very simple and elegant design that is just like, oh, I get why this this gameplay clicks for me for this very simple reason on this very visceral level. The answer is Tetris, but mm-hmm. Tetris isn't ex- isn't an exciting thing to say. Uh, so as far as other simple games that have really connected for me, kind of on the, the level of Ice Climber, I really liked... Um, both Bubble Bobble and its uh, its puzzle version, Puzzle Bobble, uh, which was uh, localized in some uh, as Bust a Move some places. Um, and uh, both of those, I just thought, were just such simple, satisfying designs and just endlessly replayable. Another one I've mentioned a lot, which is basically a a you know. A, a more a, a, a skill a, a, a version of pachinko with some more skill in it is a uh, is pagel and pagel is just so so simple the only gameplay mechanic you're doing is just basically the only thing you're doing is deciding where you're going to point an arrow um on a semicircle and but it's it's so fun to 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 make that decision where you're going to launch your ball and then just to watch what happens um in the aftermath uh, Matt and Heather, any any very simple designs that have really intrigued you and clicked with you? I so there was a uh, series of games for the Game Boy Advance called Bit Generations, which were like precursor to mobile game design theory. Uh, very 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 simple, like one button controls. Uh, very very uh, sleek aesthetic, and there was a game in that collection called Orbital, which I still think about. Uh, I think it was primarily red and black as a design. And you play with gravitational pull on space bodies. So like you can speed up or slow down, I think, to get in and out of orbit. And your job is to collect objects. And it's a sort of puzzle, but so- it's it's sort of like a tactile skill based because you have to like let go or, or press at certain times. It's been a while since I've played it, but when I got out my Game Boy Advance out of the garage, it was the game that I dug out with it because I was like, oh, man, I can go back and play Orbital. Um, So that one, that one, that one covers both this answer and also that you two seem to have missed out. Yeah. Oh, you missed out. We missed out. (laughs) Yeah, I never played that game. Uh, But a game that I'm thinking about that is like simple in design, but like complex in like how you have to play it is like i'm the first thing i thought of was flappy bird did you guys ever mess around with flappy bird oh yeah and so like that game is nothing like it's i mean it's not nothing but it's like it's it's very there's very little to do where you just you know hold your screen so the bird goes high or whatever and then release so it falls down and it's so hard but like that i would play that game on my phone for hours like just like and just try to get further than like you know my previous score or whatever and that game is so fun to me but also like i don't know is there a how how complex is mario like the first mario i guess it's like difficult but like that to me to me is a simpler game because you just you know what you're supposed to do just yeah, go yeah very 
Those very straightforward platformers. Sorry, guys, keep yeah. going. As I said, the only thing you do is go right and like don't fall. Like, yes. <laughs> um, but I or get hit by an enemy. But like that to me is like a very complex game that's just like endlessly playable. We're still playing it. People still play that game. We're still playing it. Uh, I will say that Flappy Bird, I feel like we could do an episode on because it was such a huge game for a time. I mean, I was playing that game. It It's not I don't think it's good. Yeah, but it was compelling. Um, And it was it was a thing where it ruined the developer's life. Like you eventually took it off of the uh, the app store. Yeah, I was looking up some of this while you were talking. But yeah, there were there were a bunch of uh, there was a there was a uh, there was a suicide hoax. Uh, regarding right. the guy that that came out and then it just like like it was one of those things that, that destroyed him um and uh he was just uh yeah wait here here's a statement from him i'm sorry flappy bird users 22 hours from now i will take flappy bird down i cannot take this anymore just That's, a man who just like developed a hit and then just couldn't handle the pressure of it yeah like because i'm sure people were like flooding his inbox like you got to fix this part of it or whatever do this and he right was like i just made this just to make it um, yes but yeah we should do an episode on flappy bird um flappy bird not fun. not a lot not a lot of game there but there's a but the everything surrounding it is interesting yeah. I'll, I'll, the, another one that, that that i thought of while you guys were talking was picross which I really got into on Nintendo uh, on the DS, um, and I believe there was a there was there was a 3DS version. Maybe I'm wrong on that, uh, but I, I, Picross, if you're if you're not familiar with it, is uh, like this grid based game where you try to come up with a uh, uh, it, it's like a pu- mm. it's like a puzzle picture game, um, and it's just like it's very simple but super duper fun in the way that solving a fucking jigsaw puzzle is. And those ones clicked with me at times when I didn't really want to invest in like a story uh, or, or in a game and just sort of like just get some raw gameplay. Um, Let's take another question. Great. This next one is from Travis Clark. Travis writes, are there any common video game tropes that instantly put a game into too scary territory for you, regardless of genre? I'm a lifelong arachnophobic, or I'm a lifelong arachnophobe, so pretty much all RPGs have at least one nightmare area for me. And Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is still one of the scariest games I've played. I don't like goop. I find gooey stuff gross. I don't want to be like if there's like a goopy level or something. There's a game that I always found was just like I'm never gonna play this booger man. Ugh. I don't want to play with a fucking booger guy. He's got like fucking snot everywhere. This guy's a fuck. This guy's fucking gross. I'm supposed to empathize with him. He's disgusting. Yeah, He's completely you're to- unhygienic. And that's not even the times. Not even taking into account the time we live in. Just in general. Yeah, I you know pre- even yeah, I I don't want to see any boogers ever. No, no, thank you. Get him away so, from me. Keep him inside. So snot boogers and like vomit, like that's any sort of like that. Those sorts of bodily functions, even more so than shit, I find myself <laughs> repulsed by. Uh, yeah, I, it's so funny because like shit is so much worse. Shit like, is disgusting. <laughs> but I can handle it. I think probably because I'll like I'll just see like a pile of dog shit like on the ground. I'm just like, OK, that's that's fucking shit. Fine. <laughs> But someone like fucking picking their nose, I'm like, oh God, what's so, the matter with you? So you're saying that like, of of all these liquids, uh huh, boogers, come, shit, that you would 
most like to have shit in your mouth? <laughs> what? Uh, that's is that what I'm hearing here? That's not how I would characterize it, but draw your own conclusions, baby. Oh my god. He is a baby guy now. Uh I mean, I guess I guess if I saw Nick Weiger in a game, that would be too scary for me. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I do. I am very. I, I be. I do get very scared by spooky games, by scary games, by you know, like like I. I don't. I think if I. I don't think I can ever play a horror game in VR. I don't think I will be no, able to handle God, it. I no. think I will have like a fucking panic attack. Um, and even horror FPSs are tough for me. I think probably my horror limit is like a Silent Hill, like that sort of thing. That's about as spooky as I can get. Heather, is there anything that makes you just like completely afraid of a game or want to stay away? I mean, I don't I don't want to sound like a edgelord or a tough, tough guy here, but like, no, I can't I can't think of anything that's scary in a game enough to make me. I played Resident Evil in a in a VR helmet. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't enjoy horror games mm-hmm. as much as like I don't know, Stranding or Final Fantasy or something. But like, is that because they're scary or anxious, or is it just that like I don't like that aesthetic? Like yeah, I you- don't, I don't like the like kind of like grungy look of like a of a game. You just might not be responding to that aspect. I think you're. I think you're right. And and also I. Uh, I know someone who Death Stranding was too scary for because like, you know, the the BTs in that game, uh, particularly some like in some forms are like downright like creepy. Those moments are. And I mean, yeah, it, it, it gets very it, it's disturbing and unsettling. And and I could see. Yeah, I mean, like, like, so, yeah, you're not you're not averse to the horror element, certainly, because you're you're like yeah. a game that has a strong that, that has scares built in. I like that. I like that our listeners can't see what you did, which was that you said, "I know somebody who, for whom Death Stranding was too scary," and you just pointed at your own head. <laughs> I, uh, this question made me think of, um, like in Bioshock. I think specifically Bioshock Two. There's a lot of like, um, which uh, I've played every Bioshock game and I've not finished a single one because they are too scary for me. Wow. Um, but when you can hear like the the scary people sort of like down an echoey hallway, but you can like barely hear them, you know, they're like screaming or like saying something scary, like, sort of like monologuing to themselves and they always have like a creepy voice. Because they're further away, I know that that's where I have to go. So like mm. knowing that I have to go toward the scary thing is, I hate that so much. That's so scary to me. And then when they start running at you when they see Bioshock too scary. <laughs> I feel like the threat of losing everything you've built up and gained in Dark Souls is scary. And I think that sure. the feeling that it elicits is like fear, where I'm like I, I I don't have any idea how to get past this monster or this area or whatever without losing everything that I've just right. worked for. And I think that that's that's a horror. I I don't. I guess that's a scary thing I like. But this question was like, what's a scary thing you don't like? Yeah, I don't know. Man, Dark Souls is so good, and Rise <laughs> of Skywalker is so bad. 
Let's see. You got another question for us? Man? I got another one. Let's let's see how this one goes. This one's from at uh, not at. This is an email. I'm not going to dox this man. This one's from David Massa. David writes, I grew up in the Nintendo era. My games were Turtles. Oh, no, I missed part of the question. David writes, does a game have to be beatable to be good? I grew up in the, the Nintendo era. My games were Turtles, Metal Gear. What's that? T at C? TNC, TNC Surf Design. TNC Surf Design, etc. Granted, I was bad at gaming, but I rarely beat a game. It was only when I came back to the games with the DS Lite that I could that I started being. It was only when I came back to beating game. Oh God! It was only when I came back to games with the DS Lite that I started beating games and having more fun. So, does a game have to be beatable to be good? Is the I guess the main question. I mean, do you mean? I guess it's a different question. It depends on how you interpret it. Like, does a game have to have an ending versus is it okay if a game is so hard you can't finish it? Can you still get enjoyment from it? I think I think both are. I mean, yeah, you can you can clearly definitely have that. That was like the 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 question we answered earlier about just like a simple game that that's, yeah. that just has you know one mechanic and maybe no systems and is just you know that and that's the whole game and that can that can definitely be satisfying. It doesn't have to have some sort of end point. But can a game be fun even if it's too hard for you to finish? I mean, I think I've had fun with those sorts of games. Yeah, I think yeah, I think definitely there are definitely games I've enjoyed that I didn't finish that I just like either either I just like you know like abandoned or got frustrated but had satisfying experiences with them. Did you play Contra Four for the DS? Um, no. I'm trying to think of the handheld Contras. I I don't know if I play. Oh, I feel like maybe I did. I don't fucking remember. Contra Four is so good, but it is maybe the hardest game I've ever played, and I never beat it. But I would try so hard to play mm. that game, and just like I spent so much time in that game, and I don't think I ever got past like maybe even like the third place and was just but like loved it like it was so yes. i loved playing that game even though i could i found it impossible uh, i have a game actually that a recent game that made me think of that darkest dungeon i didn't finish i got close to finishing it and it, and it is one where the difficulty really ramps up and um you know there's no there's no way to lose the game but there are ways to suffer massive setbacks and i got in some points where it's like oh i really got set back here i've got to grind a bunch more to get back to where I was and I just sort of walked away from it but I do want to like finish it at some point because it's it's a it's an awesome design and it's an awesome aesthetic mm-hmm. uh and it's uh and it's like it's it, it feels unique to me uh, but so that's a game I'd, I'd recommend to people and say this is a good game that you should play even though it's not one that I personally have finished I think that as long as you're enjoying a thing you can enjoy it in any fashion that you want like if it's too hard to beat, that's okay. If it's too easy to beat, but you play it multiple times, that's okay. Just like, you know, I, I think that there's a weird like social element or uh, to to gaming now where you like have to, like even the way that I talked about Bloodborne earlier, like where you have to like justify your gaming in some way. You gotta right. justify it to anybody. Play what you wanna play, live how you wanna live. Say what you want to say. The Adams family. (laughs) (laughs) I I think there's probably a thing with games, and I wonder if it's 
if it's worse, if it's worse or or on the same level or what with. But I, I read at some point that there's just like I forget whatever. I'll just say I'll just say half of all books that are sold are never read because people buy them for gifts or they buy them with the intention of reading them and it just sits on their shelf or, you know, they buy it because they like an, an, an author, uh, but they, you know, but they don't they don't have an investment in reading this particular book. And I think there's probably a similar thing. I think a lot of games, I think, I think I would probably say, I mean, I'm certain that most games that are played go unfinished. Probably the vast majority of games that people play go unfinished. So, yeah, don't beat yourself up over it. You can still have fun with it. Also, I know that I misquoted that lyric. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a dummy. <laughs> I just want, I just want, I know that I did it wrong, but it didn't lead it. I, I just, I don't want to be corrected about that for ad infinitum. Mm. I've I think that I, twice today. Did you really? I think so. Hmm. Oh well. On the podcast? Maybe only in my own head. Maybe I was just <laughs> hearing the echo of my own saying of it and was immediately insecure, so it sounded like I said it twice. You did say it <laughs> earlier in a in a different record. Oh, so, okay, it'll be fine. So sneaky listeners, these will be released uh vastly One, different times. Yeah, one's gonna be released like in a couple of days and the other is going to be released post COVID. So, I mean, like <laughs> we're going to be fine. going to be in a different world. Yeah. Uh, I got one more question that we can end on. And this one is from at Ryan. O. and Ryan writes, what games have you spent more time doing side quests than the actual main plot? What type of side quests do you enjoy the most? So it's a sort of a two part question, but kind of interesting. I mean, final fantasy 12, which is sometimes my favorite Final Fantasy of all, is has this incredible hunt system where you have to like go out and like hunt down all these animals. And that part of the game is so much larger than the actual plot of the game. I think in part because the game was delayed for so many years that they just kept adding hunts to it and shit. That game, I played probably 100 hours worth of side quests and loved Every minute of it. Wow. I cannot recommend, especially now that you can play it on Switch, Zodiac Age, Final Fantasy XII, get that game and play your side quest. My favorite kind of side quest, hunting. My least favorite side quest, getting milk and bringing it back to somebody. <laughs> um, I am going to say, uh, I, Contra Heather, I love just retrieving things. If there's just like a laundry list of tasks to like, hey, go get eight of eight of this. Go get me eight, you know, uh, fucking eight tufts of wheat or something. Or, you know, uh, kobolds have been raiding my uh, my tavern. Uh, go bring me 10 kobold sculpts. Like, great. I'm fucking on board with that. Any Anything where I can just like collect a bunch of things I always like. I, I definitely like. I feel like the Fallout games. I've I've spent a lot of time in uh, doing side quests. I really do like, but 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 beyond the the collectathons, beyond the the just retrieve a bunch of shit um, and bring it back to an NPC le- uh, side of quests. One side quest that really sticks out on me sticks out with me. It stuck with me, and that I'll remember forever, uh, for as long as I'm able to to retain memories. Is the uh, the Terrytown quest, which is in uh, Breath of the Wild, and I'm mentioning Breath of the Wild again 
but it's just like one of the most gratifying things because you've got this small nondescript plot of land and then as you complete each leg of this quest a fucking town gets built and you end up that this it's like a completely functional town is what happens at the end of it and it's just so satisfying so i feel like a side quest that has as its end result some sort of tangible effect in the world is uh is super duper satisfying to me um and that's one that definitely fits that that category that sounds rad sweet code sweet code and for the playstation had like a town building element where you had to collect like hundreds of people like you had to recruit literally like i think 108 people or something or maybe it was more or less than that i don't remember it's been i don't 30 years however long it's been since that game came out yeah if Um, you're talking about part two it had over 100 characters yeah and like that was the same sort of thing as Terrytown, where you're like it's very satisfying to build a castle or village or populate it that's yes yeah there's a this is a main quest but in the the and i'm really dating myself here but whatever i fucking do that all the time in this this fucking podcast uh the and the might and magic uh clouds uh, might magic clouds of zine which was i think the fourth might and magic mainline game there's a quest where you like build a fucking castle and you start from scratch and you just like gradually like make your castle uh more uh, like anytime there's some shit like that i'm just like you yeah, build an yeah. asshole what you build an asshole <laughs> you, you start with just like a a big uh, round lump of flesh <laughs> with no orifice <laughs> and then you're gradually you start with like the, the crack you start like a with like, and then you eventually make like kind of like a so the some, crap. you know, some individual, some individual wrinkles and then eventually like a hole <laughs> that matter can pass through. It's really satisfying. It's really great. A different time in, in game development. Oh Is that God. all our questions, Matt? You That's all the questions. We did it. At GetPlayedPod, GetPlayedPod at gmail.com. If you have any queries that you'd like us to answer on a premium episode or on a main episode. We have a phone number, too. Um, I'm pulling it up. It's just Nick's phone number. You can just call him personally. <laughs> just my home number. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you want to give us audio mail, you can call 616-2-PLAYED. That's 616-275-2933. And maybe we'll play it on the show. I'm calling it right now. Are, are you really? He, he, so here's the thing about the bit Nick is doing right now. He held up the phone to the side of his face. He held, he, for our benefit, for just me and Matt, he picked up the phone. I'm usually I'll do bits about what Nick is doing. Like he points to his face or he's like not wearing clothes. This is a legitimate thing that just happened. Nick said, I'm doing it right now. And he picked up his phone and he held it up as if that, like that was going to sell the, like as if it was actually happening. But the only witnesses were me and Matt. Oh, is this a get played hotline? <laughs> you could have done this without the phone, buddy. You should fire Wagger. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> wow, I guess I'll, you know, if I hear that voicemail, I'll have to take that to the powers that be, I guess. <laughs> that's that's all our time here on How Did This Get Played? Super question block edition edition. Uh, if, if you're listening to this, you're a premium subscriber, and we thank you. We thank you for for putting a little bit more money into our corporate overlords lords pockets, <laughs> po- pockets, in our pockets of of the company. Uh, <laughs> I, I 
weren't we supposed to start saying thank you? I feel yeah. like right before we went into quarantine, Are we? there was a sign up on the door that said, hey, tell say thank you to your listeners for, for listening to Premium. So that's what that was for. Thank you. My genuine feelings mm. are you you got tricked. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>